HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program is brought to you by Ad Passion and Stir, Big Chefs, Big Ideas, the new podcast from the anti-hunger organization Share Our Strength. Listen at strength.org slash passion. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. We're a member-supported food radio network broadcasting over 35 weekly shows live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. Join our hosts as they lead you through the world of craft brewing, behind the scenes of the restaurant industry, inside the battle over school food, and beyond. Find us at heritageradionetwork.org. When was the last time you cooked a recipe from a handwritten card or paper? We're going to be talking about that today on A Taste of the Past. Hi, and welcome to A Taste of the Past. I'm your host, Linda Palaccio, on this weekly journey through culinary history. And yes, the handwritten recipe. And I'm not talking about an old manuscript from the 1700s or the 1800s. I'm talking about that slip of paper that falls out of an old cookbook that maybe your mother gave you or your grandmother gave you. Or maybe you have a box of handwritten recipes on cards, you lucky person, organized in a box according to to type of food. Uh, Most of us probably have scraps of papers stashed here and there, and every now and then you pull one out. They are indeed intriguing because they tell you so much more than what ingredients to use. Roseanne Gold has curated and edited a very interesting column and we are going to talk a lot about that. And the column is called Handwritten Recipes. And uh, Roseanne is a renowned chef and award-winning food writer. She's the author of 13, 13 and counting? 13. Uh, I think 13 and holding. <laughs> and holding. <laughs> 13 cookbooks. And she's no stranger to my show. She's been on a couple of times. And... Um, her her one two three recipes one two three series have been widely um, uh, published and and appreciated. Her recipes have also appeared in the New York Times and the Wall Street Journal and Gourmet. Oh, bon appetit! I'm blah 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 blah. <laughs> exactly <laughs> right. A four time recipient of the prestigious James Beard Award, she was the first chef 
to New York's Mayor Ed Koch. And I'd say a, a big breakthrough for women chefs as well. This was a major, this it's was true. a major feat. And she became the consulting chef to the Rainbow Rooms and to the Rainbow Room and Windows on the World. She is current, uh, currently, I guess, columnist for Cooking Light? No longer? Yes. No, yeah, I do you, that. You still and, are. Okay. Uh, Huffington Post. And you see how up to date I am. Yeah. I, know, I know things oh, but change enough about rapidly. Me. Enough yeah, about yeah, me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, well, she edits and curates this wonderful column called Handwritten Recipes, where she examines all that there is behind the written word. And now we're talking the handwritten word. And this all came about because of a recent website that was launched Brett Rawson and by Brett Rawson, and it's called Handwritten Work. And Brett is here today as a, a guest as well. Welcome, Brett. Thank you for having us. Brett is a poet and co-editor of the literary arts magazine The Seventh Wave, and he indeed he started the website Handwritten Work in 2015. So, Brett, I'm going to start with you and um, talk about the the ideas and the notions and the inspirations behind launching handwritten work? Well, I think something that we noticed um, as writers ourselves, you know, we work largely by hand. And we like to be engaged in the conversation about writing and handwriting. And we saw that there were so many articles and headlines in the news that said that handwriting was a dying or if not already dead art. Uh. And uh, <laughs> we just didn't agree. We, we, we couldn't have disagreed more. Um, I think sometimes handwriting, people take that to mean letter writing. Um, and while it is about letter writing, there's so much more about handwriting. Um, it can be about process. It can be about the way we organize our lives with calendars. Um, it can also be about political protest photos. Mm. So we've seen it emerge in so many different ways. And I think once you take handwriting and pit it against technology, um, you almost start to lose a battle there because handwriting, it's not in competition um, they're actually both flourishing together. And so for us, it's been a great journey to see um, how handwriting is all the different ways in which it's surfacing today. Although I, I do bemoan the fact that handwriting for um, larger forms of, of literature and works is kind of getting pushed aside for, obviously, for the computer. Because one thing that as a historian and, and as a former English major as well, <laughs> what I... What I I truly value are, you know, the first drafts, the rough copies that authors write, and you can see the lines crossed out, the changes of words, you know, that's a rough draft, put it in the drawer, another draft has been made, and you see that, yes, people can save first and second drafts on a computer, but that that feeling of time in the moment somehow is lost um, when you don't see the pen on paper, I think that it, I, I really applaud your um, your work in this handwritten exercise. <laughs> yeah, and that's one of the reasons that we started it. We do we we all of us who work on it think that there's you know incredible amount of energy that you can harness once you put the pen to paper. So we just want to kind of show people that there are many different ways to do it, and hopefully that'll get them closer to the page. Well, you said in one of your um, comments about. I think it was on the from the website. You said that um, you that along with other things, you curate unique exhibits as well that illuminate the outer edges of handwriting and hand making. Okay, tell me about the outer edges. What what <laughs> what are these outer edges? 
Sure. Um, well, I think one of the outer edges, you know, is the column, is handwritten recipes. You know, when we say handwriting to people, they might think about letters or they might think about cursive writing. Mm-hmm. You know, those two are the first things that usually pop to people's mind. Um, but handwriting can also be the way that somebody creates a work of art. So with some of our exhibits, we've showcased, um, you know, an artist and a poet in Chicago who did words for wallpaper, taking words and putting them up as wallpaper. Mm. Um, we also, you know, collaborated with the Smithsonian to look at what did artists um, what can their handwritten letters tell us about their works of art? Oh, absolutely. Um, so it's kind of about peeling back the bark to see all the things that are sort of running underneath the surface. Um, and we see it from, you know, if we just posted this morning a piece from a teacher who uh, he teaches creative writing nonfiction at Rikers Island. And handwriting is the only form of creative, creative expression for his students who are currently there. And so we can see kind of about their life and their experiences and their process of the handwritten word, too. So for them, it's the only instrument um, that gives them creative expression. So we try to look at those many different facets. Interesting. Yeah, I love that analogy of peeling back the bark. That's great. Um, and well, I have to say, too, creating pieces of of art or signs or, or posters, having just been at the, the march um, in the after the day after the inauguration, I have to say there was some incredible handwritten work there. <laughs> some very powerful work. I, I, yes, I did enjoy that. Okay, Roseanne. Yes. Um, now, I know the two of you met um, through your work at the New School in New York City. Well, work as students, actually. Ah, okay. um, I, yes, I'm a chef, but I am a new poet, so I just went back to school at the age of 60 to get my <laughs> MFA in poetry. And Brett was actually a year ahead of me and um, always admired his work and workshops and just thought he was really a brilliant poet. And the way the column came about was very unintentional, um, which is interesting because everything that he does is so intentional. But he saw a recipe that I had calligraphed or calligraphied, I'm not sure of the right word, from my mother. And I looked at the date just the other day. So I wrote this recipe to her in 1980, and it was for Mother's Day. And it was like a little gift, and she loved caramel custard. Very simple recipe, but she could never remember how to make it. (laughs) So I said, so I would always make it for her, but I said, you know, you might want it when I'm not able to make it for you. So I wrote it in my my, uh, best penmanship was... Not so great, but... Um, I saw a photo of it. It's yeah, beautiful. beautiful. <laughs> a little it faded beautiful. at this point. And, um, anyway, so I put it in a loose light frame, and this was you know, one of her, her Mother's Day gifts. And I had shown it to Brett, and he goes, oh, let's do something with this. Would you like to write a little essay about it? And, uh, and I did, and that was that. And we thought about it some more and said, wait a minute, that was such a powerful experience for me to recollect what it felt like when I was writing that recipe for her as a gift. It wasn't about the recipe. It was about how I felt Mm -hmm. when I wrote it and that she kept it on her kitchen wall. And after she died, I took it and it's in my, on my kitchen wall. And the arc of that story that looked like it was about a recipe or food really had to do with a very intimate mother-daughter relationship mm-hmm. um, and something that I can now give to my daughter. 
Uh, and I didn't have a daughter at the time, so it's also a very interesting uh, connection. And there was just so much emotion and beauty around this experience that we talked about maybe developing uh, developing a column. And um, that's really just how it happened. And then slowly we would ask people we knew if they wanted to share and it turns out that my very first story was absolutely the weakest of now the <laughs> twenty-seven that we've done since, uh, because that. we didn't know. It was just it would just you know. But now, what's happening, Linda? People are submitting stories who are not really writers, but something's happening around this experience for them. The beauty of these the writing around these recipes and these stories are so powerful. I mean, we're really excited about it now. Well, I, yeah, and I have to say that I was not aware of it. I saw, um, I saw a couple of posts that, uh, postings of, of the column that you put on Facebook and there's the power of Facebook. You see? <laughs> <laughs> and I started reading them. I went, Oh my goodness, this is, there's a lot going on here. And, you know, it talks about a time and a place and a, a period of time and love, hate, what, you know, it, yeah. all kinds of things going on. Forget taste and temperature and, <laughs> and, and, and amounts. I mean, we're, we're talking a lot of emotion and, yes. and a lot of history. It, exactly. And, you know, it, Brett's uh, the handwritten website is so vast and one of the reasons I was really attracted to it is that it's so beautiful um, and it has such integrity and is such high quality that the Smithsonian after a very short time wanted to partner with him and now what's happening just with the site forget about the food is really really interesting and I was excited to be part of something that was graphically and aesthetically so intentional and so beautiful. Yeah, No you're absolutely right and Brett I, and I wanted to compliment you on the site, the look of the site too and everything and just being involved in, in redoing a, a website for someone now mm. for one of our organizations I, there's just something so clean about it, which then brings your attention to the handwritten word. Um, I just want to tell the um, listeners that the site is handwrittenwork.com. Yeah, handwrittenwork.com. And within the site is the column mm-hmm. Handwritten Recipes right. by and, Roseanne. And many, and many others. Many other things. Oh, yeah, this is just, this is just yes. one, mm-hmm. one separate piece of, of a larger work. Right. Um, but... Did you indeed about did you keep that design simple for that reason or? Yeah, we you know, we wanted something that was um, visually accessible that very quickly showed the differences between work. You know, we always sort of envisioned it as kind of a garden. Um, You don't go to gardens every day, but when you do, you know, you wander around, you get a little bit lost and you walk away feeling refreshed. So we just wanted that experience for people to come and kind of say, Oh, here's one thing that attracts me. I'm going to look at that and read that. And if they go from there to something else. But so for them to see it very distinct, you know, because penmanship is very distinct. Mm -hmm. And all of the stories that she's curated, I mean, they're just such incredible stories from funny to, you know, sad to, you know, just all of the emotions, as you mentioned before. So that was the other thing is to say, like, there are all these different elements. And, um, you know, if you're looking for this experience, go there. If you're looking for that one, go there. So. Um, yeah. No, I, th- I think it's really uh, because on the site on the bottom you see all the. Di- I mean, I was looking at the different um, say topics or headlines you know that right. were on there and things I hadn't thought about that would yeah. be considered handwritten pieces, you know, well, handwritten works. And I have to give a, a big shout out to our graphics designer Megan Sykes because she she's the one. She's a Seattle-based uh, designer and developer, and you know we've collaborated over the years. And when I 
told her about the idea, she said, I got it. And, uh, you know, a couple weeks later, she sent back a logo and those little icons. And mm-hmm. that really sort of was just the basis, um, which is just trying to be, you know, um, basic to kind of uh, let everything else surface. Yeah. And you had mentioned letters uh, that we don't, when we think of handwriting, we think of letters initially. And, but they are a big, that's a very big piece of lives and mm-hmm. particularly past lives. How many letters on your email server do you save? Yeah, not that many, but you hate to throw away a handwritten letter. It's it's special. Someone took the time to get a you know maybe a nicer piece of paper than usual and a pen and and uh, who knows how many drafts of that there were <laughs> or using whiteout. <laughs> but I think is the person who is doing the actual handwriting the. Um physiological experience that happens between your brain and a thinking that transfers down to your fingertips and writing. Uh, I want to know more about this, but just sort of the brain science of what actually happens with that uh, experience is, is profound. And, and, you, and you remember that the way I remembered writing my mm-hmm. mother's mm-hmm. recipe. But I wrote a, a story, Linda, and I think this is maybe what you saw, using the word, the heart tug of yes. a handwritten yes. recipe. <laughs> now, you would never say that about a recipe that was typed or something that you printed out from, right. you know, from the computer. So what is it that's actually going on? Handwriting has so much personality and style. So when I feel like I need a quick connection with my mother, who, as I mentioned, passed away, I can either look at a photograph of her or I have a box of her handwritten recipes. And sometimes I just look at that and mm-hmm. I really think about her in a different way when I see her, her handwriting. It was very particular and I can't copy it. And in the same way that we can't really copy anyone else's voice, right. that is also another um, connection and a reveal about your own personality. Uh, the way someone crosses their T's or doesn't dot their I's or, you know, uses small letters as big letters or the slant or going forwards or backwards. It's fascinating when you really start to pay attention to it. Yeah, absolutely. And again, I haven't used the word food once, right? right. So it's really about something else. <laughs> but we are going to talk about some food, yes. too, I mean, in very general <laughs> terms, um, because this is all about food, culinary history. But, but recipes are a major part of culinary history, for sure. And also get into some other handwritten work, and that may be being marginalia, and that would be mm-hmm. from especially cookbooks. So stay tuned. We're going to take a short break, and when we come back, we're going to be talking a lot more about handwritten work. Passion and Stir, Big Chefs, Big Ideas, the new podcast from the anti-hunger organization Share Our Strength, brings together your favorite chefs and amazing social innovators to discuss how food impacts almost every major issue you care about, your health, your environment, and your children's ability to learn. 
Uplifting stories from chefs like Michelin star winner Jose Andres. People want our respect. People don't want our dirty shoes and our old pens. People want us to show up and show them that they really matter to us. And Top Chef winner Brian Voltaggio. Hunger has many different faces. You can walk down the street every day and see children playing in the playground. They're hungry. They don't know where they're going to get their next meal. They don't know if they're going to have dinner. Can be heard at strength.org slash passion. You can help change the world by changing the way we think about food. Listen at strength.org slash passion. That's strength.org slash passion. Hi, we're back. And I'm speaking with Roseanne Gold and Brett Rawson. Brett is the founder of handwrittenwork.com. And Roseanne Gold, um, amongst so many other things, is now a college. She's now editor and curator of a wonderful column called Handwritten Recipes. Um, okay, Roseanne, first of all, where where do you find these recipes that you post on the website? How do you come by them? They're right. not all yours. No, not at all. In fact, purposely not. Um, only the first one, really. So I have a wonderful assistant, kind of a associate friend, um, Alison Radecki, who really goes out there and, and tries to uh, tell people about this new column and encourage them to just look in their shoebox you know, somewhere or in a dusty corner or in a old cookie tin and to try to uncover uh, some handwritten recipes. And there's no one who really doesn't you know, have them. So we solicit and we invite and sometimes we find. I know Brett has a story about finding the whole idea of found poetry and found objects and you know making things out of that so we're going to do that as our next project uh but as the word's getting out uh, in fact just this this week a wonderful young man i can't even believe he's only 24 years old because his writing is so exquisite um was started to read the column and and said it's okay if i submit something and we have a little form now we give uh, like a list of possible questions and um and you can write the story or we can help you write it, you know, through the answers and a little bit of a process, but simple. Um, and he wanted to be in, get reconnected with his grandmother, who he loved, and told a story about her that she was as interesting as a like a character in a Tolstoy um, book, a novel. She spoke nine languages. Uh, she was elegant, gorgeous. Her name was Anushka for short, and he grew up in South Africa, and it's, and it's a story about her pumpkin fritters. Mm. And um, the levels of connection that he made were, were so extraordinary. But the most exciting thing for him, he became alive for, she became alive for him when he made the discovery that she left out flour in the recipe. <laughs> and he made the recipe, and, and he said, oh, my God, they were disintegrating before my <laughs> eyes. And then his mother reminded him that her mother, his grandmother, actually used flour. And the idea that she omitted this ingredient, was it intentional? Mm -hmm. Was it because she was older? Did she just assume everyone knew, you know, these pumpkin fritters had flour? But for him, that was the most profound um, part of this whole well, exercise. It made her very human, to, infallible. It, 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 I mean, oh, she, yes. made a, she made him as oh, Yes, and he said, and he talked about her that she talked in illusions anyway. So <laughs> was this another one of those? The flower was on her mind. It just didn't yeah. make it to paper. You know, well, Brett, you had mentioned, too, that you, you started actually cooking from a handwritten recipe. Yeah, I was always a little intimidated in the kitchen. Um, I did not cook all that much, and 
I think it was the, you know, having these recipes and these directions and instructions and ingredients. Um, I, I always remember feeling a little bit panicked. <laughs> And um, it wasn't until I had kind of come across a handwritten recipe and I saw, you know, things scratched out, things added in. And then I thought, maybe this is just an experiment, you know, and it's fine <laughs> to make mistakes. And the single piece of advice that my mother gave me when I, I had moved to Japan and lived there for a couple of years, and she said, you know, whatever you cook, you have to eat it. And I said, why? And she's like, well, if it's not good, you won't make it again. <laughs> And uh, I have taken that to heart, and I've, I've learned probably too many lessons. <laughs> but, well, my uh, mother kept a, a notebook of old, um, old recipes that she had mostly, primarily clipped from magazines and newspapers, and that was one of her major comments. She made comments about each of them. My sister and I, after she died, my sister and I found this. It was a, you know, a steno pad, a spiral steno pad. We found this, and... It was wonderful because we ended up laughing all afternoon about it because she, most of the comments that she made on the clipped recipes were, don't make this, it's no good. But, <laughs> but yet she had gone to the trouble to tape it into the book and save it. So I thought, oh, that's well, interesting. That was, yeah, right. yeah. Like I'm never going to come across that same issue of Woman's Day from 1948. I don't know, whenever it <laughs> came out. And um, we found that very, very interesting. But that is. was important to her, to, as your mother said, right. you'll never make it again right, if, right. You, if it doesn't taste good. And I haven't. <laughs> so, Roseanne, people yes. basically submit, you take submissions. People yes. can submit to you. Anyone can submit a recipe. Anyone. And, ooh, you're, you're opening yourself up for I a really lot want of to. Work. As a matter of fact, um, we had a Brazilian journalist write a story. She was also going to the new school. Her English wasn't that great. Her story was amazing. And the fact that that uh, they were dirt poor, and her grandfather started um, making little pizzas in his garage to make money, and then it became a whole family connection and saga. And, you know, you remember that this experience of this column does not start with the story. It starts with the recipe, mm -hmm. and then people begin to relive and fill in the story, and then like a great prompt in poetry, you have no idea where it's going to go. And that's, that's right. why we, after people do this, it feels like they feel like it was like a great massage or a therapy session because it really helped them, you know, connect with something that they, they would not have. And all on the basis of the writing of the recipe, yeah. the handwriting. Except that it, the story will not unfold or evoke such emotions unless there is that connection. For instance, I was looking through some old recipes that I took a photo of to, to promote the show today. Um, and I have, I have boxes of handwritten recipes that come from acquired cookbooks um, from other people who I don't know. So this one is a, a, a cookbook from the turn of the century. And for you young folks, that's the turn of the, between the 18th and 19th <laughs> hundreds. And, um, and, there, there is this well-aged slip of paper that came out from 1912. Mm. And it is, I can read it. It's very hard to read because it's faint. You know, it was in pencil. And it was H, capital H, capital C, capital B with periods was the title. Mm. So I had to read through the whole recipe, right, to figure out what it was. And then I figured out it's hot cross buns. Ah. Mm. Um, but that's it. I mean, what 
was interesting to me was the age of the recipe, the ingredients, what they were using at that time. A lot of lard was in the recipe, mm-hmm. which we might not use and bake with today, except for maybe pie crust. <laughs> right. Um, and the shape, the handwriting, as you said, the shapes of the letters, the, the cursive writing, how maybe it looked a little, you know, old-fashioned. But I didn't know this person. I wanted to know this person, but mm. I didn't know. So you are. So you really are getting submissions that are telling more family stories and connections, and and that I think is beautiful. Because yes, you can pick up a recipe from an aunt or or a grandmother, and immediately it tells of a time and a place and and a person and what was happening. And maybe you ask that person for that recipe, and so you remember her. You know. Exactly. I mean, it's turning out to be a very kind of multi-generational um, storytelling, but we're also very interested in friends who share recipes with one another. And one girl, one great story is a friend of mine, um, was having... She was pregnant, and she was really late, <laughs> and she really wanted to have this baby. And a friend of hers gave her a recipe for a, a carrot soup that seemed to uh, do the trick, and there seemed to be some, you know, lore around, around this. <laughs> and I think we called it pregnancy, you know, carrot soup, and then Induction there was some soup. <laughs> <laughs> right. And then the fact that her kid was born with, uh, you know, carrot top hair, you know, oh, orange oh, hair. Wow. So there was a funny, wonderful, more contemporary story, uh-huh. you know, around that. But I mentioned the Brazilian journalists, too, because we are looking for submissions from all over the world. And we're very interested in... In European-style handwriting, we will translate, uh, get those translated. Um, you know, then directions are a little bit different. So, so we're really looking to open this up to, you know, the whole the whole world to share to share recipes and stories. Well, and then I have another recipe that I have to send to you. But I I don't know anything about it, but it's in a very early American um, or maybe even English handwriting that. You know, if, if it were a manuscript or a text, I could make it out. But because it's on a piece of faded old paper, old card, I can hardly see it. But also mm. the cursiveness is in such I can only make out a few words. But interesting. Yeah. Um, well, I was, I was going to ask you, so the recipes don't all have to be old. Oh, not at all. I mean, we, it, it, it just has to be handwritten. And, uh, you know, whatever follows from that. In fact, I would like to have some more kind of newer contemporary uh uh, ideas as well, because this is starting to feel a little bit like, um, I don't know, a, a very historical uh, work. I, I but think, it, that's beautiful, well, too. That's so. nothing wrong with that. <laughs> no. I, say, I think that's, you know, that's been the joy. You know, that's been the beauty of it is to say, here's this thing, interpret. And we let people translate what that means, um, whether it's something from the far gone past or something more recent or something that they did. Right. So across cultures, across mm-hmm. borders, across oh yeah, across and ages and men and women. I think we still have more women, but there are many men submitting, and I want to encourage that too. There was one wonderful guy, William Poole. Brett, I don't know if you know the, remember the story exactly, but he was sharing a room with his um, partner, and they were in an extended stay hotel for like a month, and they were so tired of eating out in restaurants mm-hmm. that he started to uh, go shopping and kind of sneak food back into his. A hotel room when he only had a hot plate, and he made wasn't it a wonderful uh, beef stew? Right, oh, yep. short ribs. Mm-hmm. It was a gorgeous short rib recipe. And by the way, some people you have to submit the handwritten recipe itself. Mm-hmm. You know, you take a snapshot of it, and right. Brett can talk more about that. You could submit a, a 
a photo of the finished dish, but if you don't, it's okay. I remake it. I make every recipe. Okay. And I very often... Proof is in the pudding. Right? Yeah. <laughs> and that's, so that's been really fun for me. Um, and then I usually take a photo of it myself. I'm mm-hmm. not the world's best photographer, but... Or some people will make it, remake it, because it's their connection, and they'll take a picture. So, so in every column, we have the handwritten recipe itself. That's the most important. Then we have very often pictures of the, the stars, you know, whether it's someone's great-grandmother or the, them with their parent. And then we have one or two uh, photos of the finished dish because, you know, people do eat with their eyes first. And, right. and because of Brett's gorgeous, um, you know, aesthetic layout, it, the page itself is just looking like little beautiful stamps of, uh, of photographs. I, I went to it and I didn't know which one to click on first. Yeah. <laughs> they all look so, <laughs> so interesting to me. Yeah. And of course, I do, you know, have a thing for the the more historic yes. <laughs> aspect of it. But um, but I can see where, you know, newer, newer recipes, they tell stories you know and they and they can be very interesting so let tell me brett for well not tell me but for our listeners what is the process if somebody has heard this and said oh my goodness i've got this great story i think it would be terrific how do they submit sure if it's for the handwritten recipes um, we have roseanne's email on the site roseanne at handwrittenwork.com so all they have to do is get in touch and say, here's the story. And Roseanne you know, with a Z, right? So right. R-O-Z-A-N-N-E. Which, which my autocorrect does not like. I, have to I know. You. I'm Roxanne most of the time. Right. Right. <laughs> and, you know, if, uh, Roseanne has those questions that, um, you know, there's a basic exchange of, you know, do you want to do the writing? Do you want us to help you with the writing? And we kind of meet people where they are. So if they have a recipe, all they have to do is just get in touch and let us know. And, um, you know, based on how available and how much time we have we either work right away or you know so that's it do you roseanne do you always then or do you do interviews with them do you get in touch with them to really find out more i think people would be surprised how intimate this experience really is because it's either me or allison um one-on-one through uh email or sometimes phone conversations Mm -hmm. every so often i'll even meet you know someone in the city for a cup of tea that's very cool too um and there's no one who will not be accepted. Uh, as Brett said, it's a question of, you know, how developed, if they're really comfortable writing or not. It's about the handwritten recipe and, mm-hmm. and the emotional connection to it. Wonderful. And, Brett, what about um, the the site in general, all the other handwritten work? Is it open to uh, submissions or is this hand-selected? No, absolutely. Handwritten work selected yeah. by hand. <laughs> Yeah, no, it's 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 absolutely open. Um, you know, we've gone through a couple of different iterations of the site, but um, the the way that we started it was that we wanted to showcase things both in handwriting and things on handwriting. So that means we show um, sonnets that are scribbled onto napkins. Um, we show essay, you know, we showcase essays on like a three thousand word essay on routines and rituals. Um, people's obsessions about pens. So we really let mm-hmm. it take whatever form they want it to be. So if it's in handwriting. That's usually image-driven. If it's on handwriting, it's usually something that's typed. And mm-hmm. we let people, you know, we have submit at handwrittenwork.com. So if somebody wants to pitch an idea or send us the full finished, um, uh, you know, product, they do it there. And we just go from there. You know, we find people all over the place on Instagram. Um, we had National Handwriting Day on January 23rd, and we hosted. Is, and there's now a day for everything. I've got to write that one down. Well, you know, we actually we lost that day because it was also, I think it was Cake Day or Pie Day. <laughs> so National Handwriting Day was not trending on Twitter, yeah. <laughs> though we tried. Yeah. But, you know, we have to really remember how uh, important 
handwritten objects, letters, whatever, whatever it is, recipes. I mean, museums care a lot. Universities care a lot about people's archives and and um, and I think mostly about the the handwritten piece of it. I mean, for example, I think it's at uh, the Morgan Library right now. It's an uh, exhibit of Emily Dickinson's uh, poetry. Mm-hmm. And this is done by hand. And I had the greatest thrill the other day because I saw uh, a poem of hers handwritten. And it was on the back of a recipe for coconut cake. I she, know that you know recipe. that recipe. I, know, I did a show, and she, that was at, centered on her coconut cake recipe. Centered on that, and I've cooked that recipe a couple of times. Oh, how <laughs> funny! Well, you see, I'm it's so the, it's so the discovery. That I, I'm sorry, I, maybe I stole the idea from you, no, Linda. I don't know. Maybe no. I heard it on your show. Um, but just the idea of that kind of uh, mashup of you know handwriting and poetry and right. the person and and um, love of food and. I I w- that's what I wanted to ask you, and I don't know how many submissions you've gotten so far, but I, I always envy these people, I don't know why, but that have all these, you know, collection or maybe old recipes that are on recipe cards, often with a little picture in the corner or something. <laughs> have you ever gotten the submissions of the recipes written on the back of an envelope? That's where most of mine are. <laughs> on envelopes, I know. Envelopes, My sorry. husband says I waste all these envelopes, but um, no, we've gotten lots of different things, and... and um, pieces of like lined paper ripped out of a spiral notebook yeah, sure. uh, with blue ink. Oh, and sometimes people are writing, uh, it's fine if the recipe is in your own handwriting, by the way. No, people shouldn't think it has to be someone else's. Their own handwriting is equally equally valid. And um, yeah, it's come, come on lots of forms. We did get a, I think we got in the mail about two months ago, a stack of maybe 75 or 100 handwritten recipes from Found Magazine. Hmm. And they do wonderful work. They showcase anything found, you know, on the street, um, in a notebook, in a book. And so they sent it to us because they had seen the column. But it gets back to what you were saying, though, about the connection. You know, we don't know who these people are. Yeah. Um, it's still very interesting, and it's, it's fascinating to see how many different forms are there. But we wouldn't be able to access the same story that Roseanne does with her column because yeah, we don't know get, who's you it go, was. You know, it's another layer. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm, it, that the old recipe that I have that, you know, I said was, I couldn't. It was, I don't know who she was. It was for Hot Cross Buns. Then, so I, I wanted to know more about it. I wanted to learn more. Yes. So I did looked at the recipe. I mean the uh, the ingredients that mm-hmm. told me a lot, you know, and, and and the but the writing itself. Yes, you can. I mean, you can spend a lot of time with these things. You can, and then your fantasies can run wild, right? <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> and the you know the handwriting was is, is so different. And I sometimes wonder, although I mean, I'm you know my mother's handwriting too. Like you said, with yours, I would recognize her handwriting anywhere. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, it's it's this has that distinctive you know curve to it, as most people's do. It's a it's a sign. But um, I wonder too if sometimes people write recipes in a little bit different handwriting than their normal letter mm-hmm. writing or essay writing. Mm-hmm. Well, you, know, maybe you tend to be a little hurried. You're standing in the kitchen maybe or you want to jot this down and so maybe you're not in the most comfortable spot or maybe you're writing on the back of an envelope with a stub of a pencil. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you know, and I wonder about that. Do you, if, if that's something... Or it could be the opposite. It's really something maybe we'll really take a look at because if it is for posterity, if it is, in fact, a parent wanting to hand this right. down in a very deliberate way, like a legacy, right? Some of right. these recipe books, collections, really become someone's legacy. The handwriting actually may be very deliberate 
Our favorites, though, are the ones that are scribbled, crossed out, have stains on Lots them. Lots of stains. <laughs> Lots of stains. <laughs> uh, you know, upside down. You know, uh, pieces of paper are, are turned, and and it's just really great. And all of a sudden, you pay attention to all of this. Every like little nuance of this document, you you're paying attention to in a new way, right? And I, I promise that we would talk about marginalia too. That in cookbooks, particularly when people make comments next to recipes that they've um, that they've tried or that they've altered, as you, as you Brett said, you know, there were crossouts and changes in mm-hmm. ingredients. I find that very fascinating, and you can learn about the per- a lot about the person who owned the book by reading some of the comments that were written in the board, and also things that were stuck in the pages, right? <laughs> Although, but, you know, I think there are different thoughts about this. I do like to write in uh, poetry books and my novels and I'll underline and, and whatever. But a lot of people think that's a little bit profane <laughs> to mm. do that. Devaluing, devaluing yeah. a, a, the, you know, a book. I don't know. What about you, <laughs> yeah, poet friend? I, I, some, I, you know, if people ask to, to borrow a book or read a book that I've read, I say, just disregard what you read in there. It was kind of a journal. Um, but yeah. I know plenty of people where I've borrowed a book and they say, do not earmark those pages. Yeah. And, uh, you know, everyone has their preferences, but there's nothing more exciting to me than, you know, getting a little bit of commentary in the side. And sure. in fact, that used to be one of our collections on the site is marginalia. Um, but we just sort of folded that into in handwriting. But you can find all kinds of things, you yeah. know, the gorgeous nothings, Emily Dickinson, right? Yeah. Maybe we should do a column on what well, would be another food. It would be a subsidiary of the food. Stains. Rorschach, <laughs> <laughs> right? right? An Lots old cookbook, and you can tell whether somebody was really a baker because that section will be very worn with a lot of splatters. <laughs> That's right. Or a person who was a fryer and there were grease stains all over. I'm, I don't know. <laughs> wow, a new kind of therapy, right? Bring me your your cookbooks and I'll tell you I'll, who you I'll are. Like it, a, right. <laughs> but Linda, I also have to say, just in terms of the actual recipes that we're getting, you know, I've never made a lemon pie in my life and it is the best thing I've ever eaten. I mean, just for me, I never really made a pizza from scratch at home. Again, this pregnancy, carrot soup is wonderful. <laughs> Old spins on Eastern European uh, dishes, you know, sure I've made stuffed cabbage, but these cabbage rolls that were sent in were better than anything I had ever had. Um, there is recipes for these gorgeous candied cranberries, a spinach and feta pie from Greece that brought a brother and sister together. Huh? It, they hadn't talked, I don't know in how long, but this recipe, all of a sudden, it connected them yeah. in, in a new way. So you so, don't judge the quality of the recipe? Only the store, unless, unless no, if this, if it's, what if it's not a great recipe, but the story was terrific? Well, Linda, it's interesting. I'm really glad you mentioned that because we are really preserving the integrity of the recipe. It's not, and, and mostly, they're mostly delicious. I mean, yeah. would I maybe tweak them a little bit or, um, but, and very, so, uh, very often I will have a, a curator's note and I will say, we make the recipe as is, but uh, I do sometimes make little recommendations or just say I adjusted this or adjusted that. Um, but someone wouldn't take the time and trouble to submit a recipe if it weren't good. I mean, if it weren't at least palatable. That's right. Showing, <laughs> yes, they want to show their best best side to, to us. Unless that was the story itself. Exactly. Exactly. Oh, and oh, one of my favorites is uh, by a wonderful woman who actually wrote a cookbook called Endangered Recipes years ago. Her name is Larry Roebling. And she had a very um, cantankerous relationship with her mother. And her recipe is for, um, it's called Betty Marie's Peach Meringue. 
tart or cake. It's like a shom tort, old Eastern European German recipe. And the affection that came out towards her mother, um, who I think she's used to, they used to call the fire department often when her mother would, would cook. <laughs> <laughs> then she learned that maybe that doesn't happen in every house. Um, but but it, it's a feisty article about this relationship, but this sweet, gorgeous dessert, um, it, it just gives it a happy ending. Oh, and uh, so that, that that's yeah. one of my favorites. Plus, it's really delicious and very decadent to eat. <laughs> well, I'm sure that you have piqued the interest of a lot of listeners out there. And I, I encourage them to go to handwrittenwork.com and look at all of the fine work that's on there. And indeed, go to the, the um, heading marked column and go to recipes and see handwritten recipes. And Linda, we are looking forward to getting one of yours. You said you have many handwritten have many, recipes, and, and I'm sure and you have great stories. From many people, yeah. So I'll, I'll pick the one that seems to... Uh, to evoke some good memories or elicit some maybe one other from feelings. your son. He's kind of a famous chef. Maybe you should ask your son. I can't for read his hand. I can't read his handwriting. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but it was a pleasure to learn all about this, and I'm glad I stumbled upon it. And thank you. And Brett, it was a, a pleasure to meet you, and also to learn about the broad topic of handwritten work. I think it's something that we well, we definitely want to hold on to. Right? And thanks for joining me. This has been a taste of the past, and I'm your host, Linda Palaccio. for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to hear about exclusive events, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Rate the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join our community by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.